something bigger, stronger, meaner, badder than demons. Here's Jesus standing before them. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. In this week's lectionary text, we have what could be a horror movie scene. Jesus finds a demon-possessed man, naked and living in tombs. The townspeople can't protect themselves. They bind him with chains, but the demon easily breaks free and drives the man into the wild. The demons recognize Jesus' divinity and beg him not to send them to the abyss. And Jesus grants them their plea and allows them to possess a herd of nearby pigs. As you can imagine, the townspeople can't believe what they're hearing and are terrified for their lives. Something more powerful than those demons is now in their presence. And just like the demons, they beg Jesus to leave them alone. You'll want to hear what Lars Olson and Sarah Stenson have to say about the power of Jesus' word over sin, death, and demons. Here's Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. Then they arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As he stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons, met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he did not live in a house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him, He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now there on the hillside, a large herd of swine was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swineherd saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came out to see what had happened, and when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. And now on to this week's conversation.
Welcome back to Scripture First. We have Lars Olson and Sarah Stenson with us this week. Thanks for being here, both of you. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here again. (laughs) (laughs) So we're in the eighth chapter of Luke, uh, verses 26 through 39. It's quite a a long text this week. And I'm wondering... You're telling me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Where do do you want to... I guess, where do you want to start today, Sarah, Lars? I think we should start at the beginning. There's about three portions of this where Jesus shows up and meets with the um, meets the demon there, and then uh, then we have the episode with the swine, and then we have the reaction of that of the community and the and the man who was freed. Okay, so the story starts out with um, so it takes place in Gerasenes, Um and it's the Gerasenes. Oh, go ahead. That's Gerasenes? how it's pronounced. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Didn't know that. It is not Jurassic Park. Gerasenes. Part one. You said Keep it confidently, going. so I was yeah. I know you were I was like, giraffes? Yeah. Well, no one corrected me when I was reading it before. <laughs> okay, I'm so sorry. So, okay. <clears throat> um, anyway, so it starts out with Jesus. Um, he saw this man who had was wearing no clothes, um, did not live in a house, lived in tombs, actually, which is a little weird. Mm-hmm. And More he, than a little weird. He weird. kind of seems like an outcast of the city, yep. and Jesus goes directly to him. And you skipped over one of the keys there in that description. The man had demons. Mm-hmm. Yes. The man had demons. So, so all those things, those descriptors you're picking up there, Curie, including, by the way, he did not live in a house, but in the tombs. Not only is it really weird, but it is actually an unclean environment for a Jew, at least. This would not be, um, it'd be a ritual defilement, according to Jewish law. But the key in all of these things you're laying out there as descriptors is he is completely outside of normal convention, completely outside of the law, and demon-possessed. And Jesus has come to meet him, go across. It doesn't say that he's actually like on the way to meet him, but he went right. across the lake of the Sea of Galilee in order to, to do something. And he's come just like this man is outside of the law, outside of the boundaries of, of normal community. Here Jesus is crossing the boundary of where his normal ministry was in order to meet somebody. And so there's a lot of play going on there where Jesus is coming to find uh, one of his people um, outside of the normal bounds that that we would normally expect. Yeah, it's not even so much that he's outside polite society. He's just outside every society. Every <laughs> normal <laughs> convention you can think yeah. of. I'm in tombs now. Well, and it no says clothes. it so yeah. normally, like, he had no clothes. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, there's something wrong with him, right? Uh, he's he's uh, not living in society. He's out in the tombs, uh, playing around with death, yeah. um, stuck there perhaps, uh, but just not not able to be in the in the thick of things with the rest of the world. So he sees Jesus, he falls down before him and he somehow uh, recognizes him too, which if you've been following along with the gospels, this itself is different than sometimes we hear people Mm -hmm. don't recognize Jesus, but he recognizes him and he shouts at the top of his voice. What have you, what have you to do with me? Jesus, son of the most high God, I beg you do not torment me. Right. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. So this is actually the demon now um, that's recognizing Jesus and actually the legion, the demons, plural, Mm -hmm. um, which is really an interesting thing here. And this is not the only time that happens um, in the New Testament, but the demons do know exactly who Jesus is. They name him Jesus, 
son of the most high God. And you're right, Adam, over and over, people don't recognize him. Even even the disciples, they might kind of get it for a minute and then they lose it. Mm-hmm. So it's the demons here who are saying, recognizing in an odd way, confessing, identifying Jesus, son of the most high God. And then I beg you, do not torment me, which is of course an admission of they know Jesus has the power to mm-hmm. torment them. Um, so this is something we we call um, general faith or historic faith, that the demons recognize Jesus, but they know he is not for them. In fact, they know he's fully capable, and as we'll soon hear, of tormenting them, throwing them into hell. So this is not a saving faith, even though they do recognize Jesus for who he really is. It is it is more of a general or historic faith, we might call it now. That's uh, can we can we talk about Jesus's having Jesus having the ability to throw people into hell? What do you what do you mean by that? I mean that's something we don't talk about a lot, and people conceptually think that heaven is above, and you go to it like when you're when you die versus going to heaven or hell. So or you're saying that Jesus has the, the ability to put somebody or these demons into hell. Yeah, we actually see that in verse 31. Um, they begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. And and Lars actually had a, you have a good descriptor there of what the abyss is. Yeah. I mean, we know what an abyss is, basically. A but deep that, hole. A deep <laughs> yeah. hole, uh, unfathomable depth, um, yeah. something that you throw in there and then you forget about it. Mm-hmm. And so that's what the that's what the demons are actually fighting for, is to not be forgotten. Uh, they want they want to be have some power and recognition rather than be you know dropped in the middle of the Atlantic and and forgotten about forever to go to that place where death reigns and rules. Now that, there's and that's still key. demons, the place right? of the dead. Right, it's the place of the dead is the abyss. Um, but go ahead, keep going. No, and so I mean <laughs> they are demons, and they they also don't want to be there. Right. <laughs> uh, they're trying to get out of this. And so they found uh, some poor soul uh, to inhabit, to keep them out of the out of this abyss. And Jesus is coming and saying, no, um, you actually have to go back to your place. You, this is not the place for you. The, the, the kingdom that, that, that Jesus is bringing is going to have no um, ability to be tormented. There's not going to be the threat of being possessed by uh, an evil spirit that might come upon you. So Jesus is casting all of that out, not just the demon legion of this many demons, but he's going to be doing that uh, also through uh, through the, the community, throughout the world mm-hmm. um, uh, for his ministry is to, to, to take out the evil of the world and to cast it aside so that it can no longer harm God's kingdom. And then we hear a sort of uh, descriptor of this uh, man again. For many times it had it had seized him, the demon. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. So he's being, uh, he's he's literally in bondage to the physical chains, but he's also in bondage to this demon who's driving him to. Uh, hurt himself or drive yeah. him. Think about what the community is yeah. doing. They're yeah. trying to protect, protect themselves as well by putting yeah. chains on him. And the and the demons have no bound for this. And right? that's the chains crazy. can he, he just breaks the chains open. They can't control him. He's out of control for them. Like it's probably he's probably not that strong of a man. Like think their chains are literally made out of metal. 
to break that, you have to be using some brunt force and this to is, do that. But then you think about that in the context of what now Jesus is about to do. Um, the power of those demons, as yeah. you're saying, breaking the shackles, driving this poor man into the wild. He's now separated from community and ostensibly risking his own, I was going to say skin, but life um, by being driven into the wild. And then Jesus actually is the one who's going to take control and bind the demons mm-hmm. now. By by just his word. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's trying to point out just how strong Jesus' word is, that mm-hmm. Jesus' word is stronger than chains. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, curious, you're getting excited about how strong those chains must be to break. That's the point here, right? That these demons were strong enough to inhabit this this man, break chains, uh, destroy destroy everything that he might be after. And here comes Jesus now to say, I'm going to take that power and put it under my feet. I'm going to mm-hmm. get rid of that so that it's abolished and banished. He doesn't. Like, this even... is a legitimate horror movie. Yeah. I mean, scene by scene, you have a demon possessed man who's chained down and, and able to break out and, yeah, naked and driven out of the, mm-hmm. the wilderness. Like, that is about as horrific as you can imagine an existence. Yeah. And Jesus like willingly crosses the lake to enter this man's life. Mm-hmm. And all he does is speak to him. Yeah. Just what like is your he name? comes to you, Mason, or anybody listening, that Jesus enters in unexpectedly uh, on his own terms in mm-hmm. order to give you a word to free you from all the demons or all the sin or all the death that, that clings so closely to you. It's exactly what he's doing. He's going hunting for, uh, for demons and evil in the world. So he continues on. Uh, and I just, yeah, just Jesus then asked him, what is your name? Cause it doesn't mention this either. He has no clothes. He has no home. He has no family. He's living in the tomb away from all society. And so he has no relationship to have a name mm-hmm. <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Christ asks him this and he says, Legion. Uh, what does this mean? Well, it means exactly, actually, even what the next clause is, for many demons had entered him. Legion does mean many in Greek, just as it does in English. So many demons are, um, a legion of demons are inhabiting this man. And they begged Jesus not to order them to go back into the abyss, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, because they know Jesus could order them. He's perfectly capable of ordering the demons to go back into the abyss, the place of the dead. So now, scene changes. There on the hillside, a large herd of swine the are poor feeding. Pigs. I know. Innocent little pigs eating whatever pigs eat. And the demons, everything, everything <laughs> in sight, the demons beg Jesus to let them enter the pig. So they would rather be inhabiting a pig um, than. Jesus throwing them back into the abyss. So Jesus gave the demons permission to enter into the pigs, which again, it's a really odd little detail, but Jesus is giving permission to the demons. They can do he nothing has power over outside them. of him. Right? right. He has power with, again, words. But why? Strength. Why did he kill the pigs? To banish the demons. The de- well, he yeah. could have just sent them to the abyss. To banish the pigs too. 
But the pigs didn't do anything, Lars. To make a bacon bag. Well, bye, Jesus is unfair. <laughs> It doesn't say. It doesn't say no, why. It doesn't, it doesn't say, say anything why. about why the pigs. I know, but I want although, an explanation. Although you do see actually what happens because there are witnesses to mm-hmm. what happens with those pigs, and so Jesus is now performing a miracle. I mean, and when he does this, is to demonstrate his divinity, his power over everything, including now demons. So we we can't firmly say, well, this is why. But we do know from the rest of these verses, there are a lot of witnesses to what's happening here, and they start talking. And that, um, I think, is probably part of the the importance of what's happening with those pigs. So don't get stopped on the poor pigs that end up, you know, jumping into the lake and drowning. Jesus is using those pigs to destroy the demons and to destroy the pigs, as an aside. Um, but there are lots of witnesses, and they start talking. They even run to the town and then start telling everybody what, right. what has happened. I, I do kind of wonder if those swine herds, uh, who are probably responsible for those pigs, mm-hmm. um, were going and telling everybody, we didn't lose the pigs, it was that guy. <laughs> uh, d- this you know, is not on us. Don't blame me for this. Mm-hmm. Which is a little bit about what was happening before with, the, with Jesus showing up on this side of the lake. And the demons coming and kind of accusing Jesus. Why are you here? Leave us alone. Why are you bothering us? Now now the scene shifts and the witnesses start accusing Jesus of being uh, the problem. Even now, not the man who was inhabited by legion, but Jesus takes on the, the, the role of the, the problem in their community, which is also really interesting mm-hmm. how he's taking sin and death away from them mm-hmm. and placing it upon him so that he becomes the problem, the, the accused one in their mm-hmm. society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, we hear in the 35th chapter, uh, they found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. So he's now has clothes. He's now... A new, yeah, not a, new demons, a, a new man. Not with demons. A new man. A new person. New but life. The story doesn't end there. You would think that that yeah. would be the end of the miracle story. Yeah. But mm-hmm. that is not what happens. That is not the point of this story. And they were afraid. Right. And it's phobos in the Greek. So intense terror, like phobia for us. That's where we get it. So they weren't just a little bit freaked out. They were terrified. Like more than they had been afraid of the demons. Yep. Right. Uh, they could they could send him away into the yep. tombs and but think now they were Jesus protecting themselves. There. But now you've got <laughs> something from whom you cannot protect yourself. Something bigger, stronger, meaner, badder than demons. Mm-hmm. And what's here's Jesus standing before them. And correct me if I'm wrong on this, um, but it seems it sound from the way I'm reading this, it sounds like the people who hadn't witnessed it, those are the ones who are afraid, or the most afraid, because it says. Um, then, and when they came to Jesus and found the man, yada, 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 they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then, and then it goes on from there. It seems to me like there's the witnesses and then there's the crowd and the witnesses are giving them a play-by-play of what's happening and everybody's starting to get freaked out. Right. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And everybody there who's seeing what's happening is starting to say, um... Uh, uh, we yep. don't want any of this to be around well, us. I mean, they realize where they are in the totem pole here. They weren't strong enough to bind this man and keep him away. 
he could break whatever chains that they tried to bind him with. So they just tried to keep him on the edge of town. You can live in these tombs. Don't worry. Just leave us alone, demons. <laughs> like, But then all of a sudden, one who is more powerful threw the demons into the lake. And if your whole world is um, tormented by demons, that that is the power that you have. When somebody more powerful comes and casts out the demons, you start to say, what are we going to do now? Which happens a little bit later in the Gospel of Luke, of course, that Jesus casts out a demon and then the community starts to accuse Jesus of being the king of demons. Mm -hmm. Uh, That now he's not the son of God, but he's the, he's casting out demons by the power of demons. And so he becomes even worse than a a regular demon in your world. Which is actually, um, and I think it's kind of what Mason was getting at too, what you're saying, Lars, it's a really fairly logical reaction that if you have control over the demons, it does make you the king of the demons. So, so at these people are, are seeing something and they're not, this is not a text where you have Jesus um, overtly, explicitly delivering the forgiveness of sin. He's not doing it in this text. So we're getting a miracle. We're getting control over all of creation, including demons here. Um, but the, the experience of the crowd is not that they're hearing Jesus say, um, like he does to the man, the paralytic man, lowered through the roof, well, which is which is easier, you saying, get up and walk, or your sins are forgiven. There's an overt case of there's the gospel forgiveness of sin. In this text, we're really dealing with um, Jesus' divinity in terms of power of everything, including the demons. So I think it makes sense that these people are absolutely terrified because it is a logical jump to, yeah, you're the king of the demons, get away. You're right, Sarah. At the same time, though, they're sitting there watching the effect of his word. Yep. And they see that Jesus is not the demon because he, the man is sitting he there. destroyed his, the demons. His right, in yep. his right mind, he's been freed. But instead of seeing that as what Jesus is after, all they can see is that Jesus might be worse for us than a demon. Their fear owns them. And so they ask right. Jesus, get out of here. They beg him, just like the demons did, go away, <laughs> leave well, us was, alone. And that's the irony in this is that the demons recognize Jesus as the Son of God. The townspeople do not. They they don't see it. They're terrified of Jesus, as were the the demons, um, probably for slightly different reasons. But because the demons knew who Jesus was, and they knew he was not for them, he was actually exactly. going to destroy them, which is what he did. Um, so yeah, but it is a similar. The the townspeople. Don't recognize Jesus. It's the demons who do. And then the, the last turn of that is though the the man who never gets named, mm-hmm. um, who's been freed, now says, uh, "I want to stick with Jesus uh, because he's seen what this right. can do, and he might be afraid of demons coming back and yeah. being near Jesus. He could uh, keep them away." But Jesus says, "No." You don't come with me. You're staying here to be a witness of all that God has done to these people. So they can't see it now. Mm-hmm. They refuse to see what's happening right here while I'm here. But right. he, that man, is going to stay there and be a witness to what has happened. So they'll never be able to get away from what Jesus has done there in their land. And another word for witness, even in the the Greek, is proclaimer, a preacher. So Jesus is sending this man back into his vocations. Go back into your go back to your home. 
and declare how much God has done for you. That's the preaching moment there, that Jesus is now giving him an additional vocation of go be a preacher. Tell the people what God has done for you. Right. It's amazing. Um, if you look at the that that word of, of preacher yeah. in the uh, through the for, through a word study, you'll find that John the Baptist and Jesus are preachers, and Jesus keeps telling his disciples to preach, but they never quite get there. But this man, yeah, he's a preacher now. Right. Yeah. Yep. And then the text finishes up, and it says, "So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him." So he had done, yeah. I mean, yeah, he'd preached, like what you said, preached more than the disciples had. Because he'd actually seen the lowest of the low. I know, I think it's Sarah, I think it's you who've said this before in Bible studies where the places you've gone and seen sometimes the gospel proclaimed the most is when you go to places like prisons and jails because those people, the people inside have done yep. and experienced and seen some of the worst that one can. Mm-hmm. And so they're the ones who really want and need Jesus and who actually have that desire. I see that in here too, because this guy, I mean, he was literally the outcast of the town. Right. These other people weren't. They don't care. They don't want Jesus to inflict with their life. He wants Jesus to inflict in his life. Right, because he knows Jesus actually, and by the way, the Greek word up there is healed him. Uh, In verse 36, the man had been healed, and the Greek word there is sozo, which is also saved. So he does know Jesus saved him, Mm -hmm. healed him, and that is what he is proclaiming or preaching throughout the city. This is what Jesus did for me. He saved me. He saved me from demons. He saved me from, actually even from himself, trying to destroy himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think, though, we talked about this just before we started courting. It, this is a, you know, it's a really vivid story to read through um, and text to read through, but it could be a little difficult to preach to, because there isn't necessarily that overt forgiveness of sins gospel um, and it is, I think, an interesting thing that when the crowd says, they say, go away, get out of here, Jesus complies. He leaves. Um, and at this point in Luke, um, there's still, we're in Luke 8 here, there's still a lot more that Jesus does before he gets to the crucifixion resurrection. So his his ministry is not complete at this point. He's still... Um, has a lot of miracles to do, a lot of preaching to do. Um, There's a lot yet to happen in the Gospel of Luke. But when we're preaching this text today, um, we do actually now have Christ's full ministry to preach into lives of people who are, um, now we may not think of them as literally demon-possessed, but here's the work of a demon It's not just the crazy guy living in a cave naked. The work of a demon, the devil, is to make you doubt Christ's word for you, to make you think Jesus is not Lord over all creation, that he does not have power over everything, including the demons. So the the only tool we have 
to address that um, doubt, fear, unbelief now is the same thing Jesus had there. It's his word. But the word we have now is Christ forgives you all your sin. That actually is the power over sin, death, and the devil. And that's what we preach now into the ears. Nothing will stop Jesus Christ from doing what he came to do with the demons and the pigs in this text. But now with us, post-Easter, post-resurrection, locked doors, fear, anxiety, dread, I mean, illness, nothing will stop Jesus Christ from coming after his sinners to deliver his peace, his forgiveness of sin. I think that's exactly right because, <clears throat> excuse me, the it's so easy to turn this text into some other people have demons, but to get mm-hmm. down into the preaching to find out where people are tormented, where they are, at, where demons are actually present for each and every person, and to say, uh, Jesus hasn't left you, but he's left you with a preacher in order to proclaim that good news. Yep. Um, that's at the heart of this, so that it's not just Jesus did this to, for one guy way out there in the land of yeah, the uh, Yeah, some wackadoodle living in a cave. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, it's uh, Jesus is constantly doing this, crossing boundaries, coming to sinners, finding those people locked in fear and death and removing that from them by giving them his strong word. And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Lars Olson and Sarah Stenson for teaching us that Jesus takes on the role of the problem in the community to take sin and death away from the demon-possessed man. But demons aren't just a force for the crazy guy living in tombs. They're a force on you too. The work of demons and the devil is to make you doubt Christ's word for you. But luckily, that's what we hear in this week's text that we have the most powerful word of all and nothing will stop Jesus from doing what he came to do. Forgive you all your sin. Luther House of Studies' mission is to strengthen Lutheran leadership and ministries for the proclamation of the gospel. We wouldn't be able to serve current and future ministry professionals as well as members of the church without the generous support of people just like you. If you or your congregation is interested in sponsoring an episode of Scripture First, please send our co-director, Sarah Stenson, an email at sarah.stenson at lutherhouseofstudy.org. That's sarah.stenson at lutherhouseofstudy.org. You can find her email in the show notes or find more information about supporting Luther House of Study at lutherhouseofstudy.org. Thanks again for joining us this week. Remember, not even demons can stop the power of Christ. We'll see you next time on Scripture First.